Hi, this is Joe Satriani, and you're listening to Life Minute TV. Guitar great Joe Satriani is revered by his peers and fans around the globe. For decades, he's played to sold-out crowds as both a headliner and founder of his all-star G3 guitar extravaganza, where he brings his famous friends along for the ride. He sold more than 10 million records worldwide. Of his many solo albums, two have gone platinum, four others gold, with 15 Grammy nominations between them. His side project, Chickenfoot, with Van Halen friends Sammy Hagar and bassist Michael Anthony, and Red Hot Chili Peppers' Chad Smith, saw their debut album, Certified Gold. Now Satriani has just released his 19th studio album, The Elephants of Mars. But music isn't his only creative outlet. He's also an accomplished visual artist, showcasing his works at Wentworth Galleries across the country. We caught up with him recently at his show in New Jersey to hear all about it and more. Hi, Joe. Hi. Thanks for doing this. It's really great to be here. It looks amazing. I wish everyone that's listening to the podcast could see this work. Tell us all about it. I tell people it's like when you hear your music on the radio for the first time. You walk in and you see art you know, that came from inside and all of a sudden it's on the walls and, and it's all together. That's also, I, I don't have a place where I live where I see everything all together. Uh, the other thing is that very often you, you do a piece of work and you have to put it aside somewhere while it dries and you work on a few others and, and then you roll them up and you send them off and you never see them again <laughs> until, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a, a gallery showing like this, you finally get to see them. So it's, uh, yeah, it's an emotional response as well because you remember all the feelings that went into making all the pieces. For Satriani, becoming a visual artist is sort of a no-brainer. He comes from a family of artists. I'm uh, youngest of five kids and my two older sisters uh, got degrees in fine art and became professional artists. So, uh, and then I married an artist and my son be also became an artist. So I was surrounded with people with art degrees in uh, different areas of the art world. So there was a lot of material around the house. <laughs> Every place I lived, there was, you know, sketch pads, paints, brushes, canvases, and uh, I was just a late bloomer. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I applied art to guitar picks, guitar straps, tour merchandise, CD booklets, album packages. Um, but it wasn't until uh, I put out a, a digital art book uh, a few years ago, and once it came out, I thought, all right, I, I want to get in the real world. I want to get my fingers dirty with paint and just feel it a bit more. Uh, and that's my agent calling right now. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so actually, I asked my wife to teach me all the things she knew about canvases, uh, gesso, different brushes, what to do with the difference between you know, uh, acrylics and oils and, and to find out if I could feel comfortable with it. And uh, that was about maybe six years ago. Uh, and then I finally started getting into it and I really enjoyed it. I just, I like the new area, you know, a big 40 by 40 canvas is really something and you can throw your whole body into it. Kind of like playing music. I mean, I tell people it's like playing a guitar solo in front of 40,000 people. Some of it's prepared, but most of it's improvised. What is your inspiration for this collection? Most of the stuff that I started out drawing was freeform uh, faces based on uh, feelings, imagined or stuff that I was actually feeling at the moment. Whimsical, though, 
sci-fi, I'd throw everything in there. Uh, as the journey progressed though, I found that it was kind of interesting to start to add things in the real world into it. And so I started to think about some of the artists that I really liked that would borrow simple things. And it's like, you know, Warhol taking a can of soup or a famous person and trying to work them into an abstract uh, pop art framework. Um, so I started to look back and I said, well, you know, my main love is like Modigliani or, you know, just faces. I love that. Uh, but I also, I like the chaos of, of Basquiat and, and, uh, and I like uh, the abstract of, uh, of Rauschenberg or, or just, a, um, just the way that different artists might take art from the previous few hundred years and just kind of turn it on its head, you know. Um, so that's when I thought, well, maybe there's a way to get the aliens and the flags and the, <laughs> and the famous people all together somehow. And uh, of course, I had to use the guitars because that's, that's something that I'm always holding every day, you know. What are some of your favorite pieces? Oh, <laughs> that's like asking uh, a, a, you know, a musical artist what's their favorite song, you know. It's, on the one hand, it's almost impossible to look at your own work, you know, because you remember all the things you didn't do or the stuff you covered up. And, uh, and uh, so that's, it's, it's a mixed bag of emotions when you look at it. Um, but what, I'll tell you what I do love is just the light, like in this room, in, in all the Wentworth galleries, uh, we've been to three so far, the lighting of the stuff really improves the way that I can actually look at my own work. Uh, I don't have this amount of light that I'm working with. Uh, I'm working mainly with the sunlight in, in San Francisco, to tell you the truth, which is fleeting with the fog. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, when I came in, actually, uh, uh, about 10 or 15 minutes ago, I was looking at uh, a, a very green painting of guitars that's off to the right there. I don't know if you can see that. The green sort of guitars against the blue. And uh, I was so happy to see how bright it was because in San Francisco, the day I finished it, it was kind of foggy and I thought, oh, is that bright enough? And, but uh, so it's funny how you get you know, you travel 3,000 miles and you see, oh, it's a different color. <laughs> All right, so let's talk music. Tell us about your new album, Elephants of Mars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so excited about this. Uh, usually we're on tour the, like the week it comes out. That was kind of like a change that happened maybe 20 years ago. Uh, right now we're kind of switching into old school mode where the record comes out and then you hit the road six months later. <laughs> Uh, but it's all good, yeah. So we have a new album, it's called The Elephants of Mars. I know it's a crazy title, but I had this idea for a science fiction story where Earth scientists in the future figure out how to terraform Mars and they mistakenly, at the same time, beautifying this planet, they create this race of giant sentient elephants which then align themselves with the colonists there who are getting tired of simply mining the planet for the Earth's corporations and they get together to have a revolution. Of course, the leader of the colonists plays electric guitar, so <laughs> that's where the elephants and, and, uh, and the music come together to lead this uh, peaceful revolution to take back Mars and make it a you know, pristine planet. Uh, so this is exactly what I explained to the musicians as I was sending them the songs. And uh, I said, I know this sounds crazy, but 
uh, take it as like artistic license to give me your craziest performances and so sometimes like that a story can really help a band understand where the whole project is going. So, so cool, so great. And the video uh, is out as well, right? Yeah, actually, uh, we filmed it last week in Los Angeles. My son does a lot of videos for me, so uh, my son is uh, working on that right now. It's going to be an outrageous looking video. He did the first single for us, a song called Sahara, that, that's been out uh, for about a month or so. And uh, yeah, hopefully um, this thing will be ready. I, it'll probably come out exactly when the album's released, April 8th. His eclectic sound attributed to his family and so many inspirational greats. You know, I, as I told you before, I was the youngest of five kids. So, uh, my, you know, my parents were jazz age kids and they liked to play classical music as well. So I had the jazz and the classical always around me. And then my older sisters and my brother uh, lived through the 60s, just they were the perfect age and I was always the kid in the corner <laughs> on the receiving end of all the singles and LPs that they got tired of and I just, you know, became this eclectic collector of all that music. I just loved it. Uh, so uh, I wound up trying to play drums at nine years of age. Didn't work out so well, but during that period of me failing with the drums, um, I eventually uh, became a, a Jimi Hendrix fanatic and decided to play guitar the day that he died and I just stuck with it ever since then. So those players from that era like uh, Jimi Hendrix and Jimmy Page uh, together with uh, George Harrison and Keith Richards and uh, Chuck Berry, all those guitar players are kind of like part of my foundation and I learned how to play jazz and and uh, got a great musical theory training in high school of all places at, at a place uh, not too far from here, Car Place High School in the middle of Long Island. And uh, uh, we had a teacher named Bill Westcott who was a Juilliard graduate and, and he didn't mind that we played Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin <laughs> all the time and, and he somehow uh, gave me and a lot of my friends a great education and music theory. And that really carried us through all the different changes in music. And that great education, he's passed on to other greats as well. Yeah, it's, it's really funny how things happen. Uh, one day I started to get uh, people showing up uh, at my front door uh, asking for guitar lessons because they saw me play at a high school dance or at a party or something like that. And I was just 15 years old. I'd only been playing a year, but I thought, okay, this sounds kind of could be interesting, might help pay for strings or something like that. Uh, but along the way, I wind up teaching Steve Vai, who went to the same school as I did, so you know we kind of knew each other. Uh, and he went on to become a super famous and amazing musician. When I moved out to Berkeley, California, uh, I wound up teaching in this little store that was right across the street from where I had an apartment. The only reason why I was teaching there was because the owner was very upset with me because I never bought anything. I just sit there all day and play all the guitars. So. Anyway, once I got started, Kirk Hammett and Larry Lalonde and Alex Skolnick, Charlie Hunter, just all these young kids would come in, fantastic talents, right at the beginning of their musical journeys. And uh, I got to see the birth of Metallica and Exodus and Testament, those hardcore bands that were going to take over the world in a few years. 
and uh, I got to sit down with them when they were kids and give them a musical foundation, which is really fantastic. Satriani says he was an unproven entity at first until he was discovered by none other than Mick Jagger. You know, it's really funny. Life is just one of those things that <laughs> you, you don't think something's going to happen and then all of a sudden it does. So I can remember uh, January, late January of 88, uh, and I was in, I think it was in Boston, and having a meeting with my tour manager about how much money we were losing every week and how the three-week tour was going to be a complete disaster. And even though I had a new record, Surfing with the Alien, that was climbing up the Billboard charts, I was kind of an unproven entity in the world of selling tickets. So I was still playing two sets a night at these small clubs. But I got a phone call the next day, and some former managers of mine in San Francisco said, you're not going to believe this, but uh, Mick Jagger is looking for a guitar player, and your name came up, and they're in New York City. How would you feel about doing the audition? And we laughed for about a minute, because we knew, well, I'm not the guy for this gig, you know. But I said, I'm going. I've got to do it anyway, because I just want to be in the room with Mick and, and see how long that lasts. Uh, but I did get the gig, and it turned out to be a very fruitful uh, friendship and relationship. And I did a lot of touring with Mick that year, while I was also going out on my solo tours and, and saw the, the popularity of Surfing with the Alien really sort of take off, uh, in part because of that association. So uh, those are those things that happen in life. When they come, you take advantage of them, you know. And that he sure did. What's next? Expect a tour coming in late September. Yes, yeah, yeah. We're, we're putting together the final dates for uh, a fall tour in the U.S. It'll be the, you know, two months plus. Uh, it'll start probably late September. Um, and uh, I think uh, it'll probably be an evening with, which means we take the stage and own the stage from the beginning of the night to the end, which is always a lot of fun. We get to play the most amount of songs from the catalog for the fans. So tell us, what can fans expect when they see you play live? Yeah, yeah, well we really go live when we go live. Uh, first of all, we'll have a new set of musicians behind me. Kearney Aronoff, who was on the uh, Experience Hendrix tour with me in 2019. He's in the band now. We've done two records now together. He's just a brilliant musician. So he's coming out with us. Uh, Brian Beller, who's been touring with me and making some albums, uh, on bass guitar the last few years, uh, he's out playing bass. We have a, a new a guy in the band, his name is Ray Thistlethwaite, he's from Australia. He's in a very popular band down there called Thirsty Merc. He plays keyboards, guitar, he sings like crazy. I don't know how he's gonna feel about not singing <laughs> for, you know, two hours a night, but um, he's great. Uh, and and uh, so I'm very excited about getting these guys finally together. You know, I've never actually been in a room with Ray. We did the, the whole greeting over Zoom and FaceTime, and we recorded the whole album remotely, so I'm really looking forward to that. And You know, we always play, I, I kind of break the set down into thirds. We, we make sure we play the songs that are probably, you know, the hits, the most popular songs that people have listened to over the last three decades. And then we also reserve a good third of the set for material that's brand new. So in this case, we have two new albums that we never uh, got to play on stage. Uh, 2020, Shape Shifting, and the new one, The Elephants of Mars. Uh, and then we always have that other section of the set where we wanna really cater to those fans who've maybe seen us 20, 30 times 
and uh, we want to pull out some songs we've never done before live, so that's kind of like how we do it. Sounds great, good. What about Chicken Foot? Will there be a, a reunion? <laughs> you never know. You know, it's really funny you should say that because uh, Sammy was texting me yesterday because he really wants that painting over there. <laughs> yeah, the, the flag with the heart in it, you know, against the sort of golden brown. Uh, he's been freaking out over that one. Are there any guitar players you listen to today that you think are particularly good? There are so many. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, it's funny. I still listen to players that are sort of outside what I do, but uh, have been around uh, for as long as I can remember, like Jimmy Vaughn. I think he's just really, really tremendous. Uh, uh, you know, Al Demiola, uh, absolutely incredible. Also New Jersey native, I believe, still, right? I think so. Um, and uh, uh, John McLaughlin, the favorites in that style of music. It's really hard to categorize Al. I mean, he's, he's capable of playing anything, but his, it's really Demiola music, I guess I call it like, like that, you know. Um, I tell people all the time, you know, I spend a good amount of time uh, every day before I practice, I go to Instagram and I check out young guitar players who just blow me away. They're just playing technically stuff that I could never play. But even though I look at it and I go, I wish I could play that, uh, I use it as a source of energy because it really, it makes me think, well, this great endless human potential on the electric guitar, and at times it's, popular and at times it's not you know in the popular view but it doesn't matter it's still being pushed forward by each new generation and they figure out a way to add more complexity to do things that everyone thought was impossible and somehow they accomplish it um, and it I don't know it, it sort of restores faith in myself that in, in my uh, area that uh, that I could push myself a little bit more to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish. Great. What's next for you? Uh, next for me uh, is probably uh, when I get back home after this, I'm going to be very enthused to paint a whole lot more, I'll tell you that. Because <laughs> after seeing all, everything hung on the wall, I keep thinking, oh, I could have done more of those and more of those and maybe I need a bigger canvas. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's exciting, actually. It's, uh, it's very much like... Uh, with, with music, when you, you find a new guitar, you, you know, it's got the same strings on it and you're gonna tune it up pretty much the same way. But uh, just a slight change might give you that feeling that uh, it, it's opening a, a, a new door to some interesting, create, you know, some creative angle you hadn't thought of before. And uh, so, uh, yeah, this is my third show and already I feel like uh, I want to run back to the studio and get busy painting some more because just, just the feeling I'm getting from being here. So cool, Joe. So what would you say music and art do for people? Mm. Well, I, I can speak from years of experience um, being a musician, being a live performer, being a composer, that music really accompanies people's lives. That's what it does. Um, I can, every time I think about events in my life, I, I relate to songs that I was listening to at the time. Uh, maybe songs that were even around me that I didn't like, or, but they were there, you know? And then the music that I listened to constantly because I had to, you know, because my soul needed to hear that sound. 
Um, so musicians uh, that um, that are lucky enough to make albums, you know, they are creating the soundtrack to people's lives, and and it's you know times like this, you it's important to remember what your job is, you know, and. Uh, so during uh, the pandemic, I stayed focused on that because that's what my job is really to make music for people. And so we just got as busy as we could to make sure that we did our part. And um, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of, I think, you know, and you hear stories from fans about how they used your music in different parts of their life. It's really touching. Since this is Life Minute, any life advice or life lessons for other young <laughs> guitarists out there? Yeah, oh, you know, everyone on the planet is different. Everyone's unique, and everyone, I, I truly believe everyone's looking for the answer, whatever that may be. And they're interested once, when they meet somebody uh, to know, like, do you know what it is? Can you tell me something about your life that might help me figure out like what we're doing here and what, what it's all about. And so for an artist or a musician, I think that's a really important role to take up. Uh, and so when a, a musician says to me, you know, how can I get ahead? How can I make an impact? I always say you have to focus on telling your story. There's not, there are no books or techniques about that, unfortunately. Like, there's books about scales and chords and developing your timing or your, your ear, uh, but there's nothing about how, how do you get your story into the music so that people, when they hear it, they say, that's Joe, you know, that's, that's his story. And, and, they, and they know that it's unique because you put all of yourself into it. So it's a very difficult thing to do. Uh, especially when you're trying to make a living as a musician or an artist to, to, to say, well, how's that going to help me pay the rent? But uh, even though it seems like it's a, a tangent of some kind to your practice day, I still think it's really important to try to be as original as possible and to figure out a way to deliver that originality to your audience. Whether you're playing in front of just a few people uh, or you're in front of 70,000, it really doesn't matter. You still have to pour yourself into, if you're playing guitar, into that guitar if you want people to take notice, you know. Congratulations on everything. Thank you so much for doing this. No, I'm just so happy to be here. <laughs> Surrounded by all this artwork and I'm just so thrilled that, uh, that Christian and everyone at the Wentworth Gallery given me this opportunity. It's really mind-blowing. <laughs> to see more of this interview, visit our website, lifeminute.tv. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Life Minute TV.